Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, Couch to 80k, writing bootcamp week for day six. My god, we're here, halfway through our journey towards match fitness, towards your being ready to finish your novel. If that feels dauntingly close all of a sudden, don't worry, we've still a long way to go and there are several fundamental building blocks we still haven't put in place yet. You're halfway there in the sense that if you pull a shirt on, you're half-dressed. Doesn't mean you can go outside with no trousers and underwear on. I mean, you could, and scandalise the neighbourhood. But what I'm saying is, you're not dressed until you're all dressed, so no need to panic. It'll come together. And by the way, I'm not trying to shame nudists there. It's fine. Your body's beautiful. Um, but hopefully you're feeling a little more awake after four weeks, a little more alert to the possibilities that surround you, and maybe, dare I say it, a little more confident. You've done loads of work over the past 23 sessions, I know, right? And crucially, you've pushed yourself to write in ways you'd never normally. That's where growth happens. That's where you start to see gains as an artist. Slowly, slowly, you've been building momentum and we're going to harness that so you can take on bigger challenges and really turn this commitment into permanent, significant change. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got a writing exercise to demolish. So this week you've been deconstructing and reinventing a single memory, one scene over and over. The purpose is twofold. One, it's to make you hyper aware of your vocabulary choices, your sentence length, your tense, all of these elements that combine to give a scene a tone, a mood, a meaning. Two, it's hopefully expanding your sense of what you're allowed to do as an author, which is, you know, anything really, as long as it's entertaining and you commit to it. Retell your time at that shit temping job, only now you're a squid person, private eye, going undercover in a futuristic mega conglomerate to investigate a series of disappearances. Hemingway does a whole chapter of his non-fiction book about bullfighting, Death in the Afternoon, as an imaginary dialogue with an enthusiastic and rather bloodthirsty old lady. I know it's not very fashionable to praise Hemingway these days because he was an arsehole, but look, it's a great book full of funny, atmospheric writing, and I don't like it just because... I'm a man. Look, read it yourself, see if I'm wrong. Anyway, you can tell stuff through made-up newspaper articles or blogs, if you like. You can do it through a letter written by someone who was there. You can write it out like a movie script. You can limit yourself to sound and touch in a scene. You can invent arbitrary restrictions, like no using the same consonant twice in a sentence, or no using the letter E. You can tell a scene backwards. You can overlay two scenes that happened in the same place years apart, one on top of each other, and tell them as if they're happening simultaneously. You can give someone in the scene intense psionic powers, so they rewind time, or they can read other people's thoughts and then you can see what happens. All of these are options that are open to you that can fill your writing with daring and originality or they can just be warm-up exercises that help you see the fundamentals of a dramatic moment through new eyes. It's a distancing technique that can give you fresh perspective on something you think you know and that's not to say that you can't write the scene a simple third person limited. Um, this isn't to say that you should always do something in these helter-skelter bananas experimental styles but you're allowed to. Some of you will know that a few years ago now I started this thing called the Poetry Takeaway. We bought an old mobile phone accessories trailer off eBay and we had it refurbished as this mobile poetry service where we'd set up somewhere often like in the street by some shops or something and people could wander up and request a poem on any subject they liked and we'd write it for them in about 15 minutes then they'd come back and they'd get a performance of it and a copy to take away and all of it was for free. 
I must have written over a thousand poems during my time on the Poetry Takeaway. I know that sounds like a bonkers number, but on a slow shift, I'd do at least 10. And when we were busy, sometimes as many as 30 or 40. And I've done over a hundred shifts on that thing. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you all this is that people would often be at a loss when we asked them what they wanted a poem about because they hadn't thought about it because they hadn't realised that was something that they would bump into in the street until they walked past, right? So... I'd end up, you know, to warm them up, I'd say, well, what's going on in your life? What things do you care about? And they'd end up talking about what they were going through or what they'd been through or things they cared about just to give me some content. Right. And at least once a shift, someone will return and I'd read them their poem and they'd burst into tears, not from disappointment. Um, I set expectations very low during that time, but um, just from the shock of hearing essentially their own story delivered back to them by a stranger to hear it defamiliarised. I've held strangers in the street and had them weep into my arms after I read to them. And the poems were not especially good, right? That wasn't the point. But when you put an experience through the alchemy that is creative writing, no matter how wild or absurd or estranging the metamorphosis, there's a chance, just a chance, that you'll truly see it for the first time. And that can be very powerful. So today... I'm going to give you a choice, just like yesterday, so we can round off this week of um, exercises in style and reimagining things and defamiliarising the familiar. So um, three options of styles I'm going to give you that you can rewrite day two's memory in. Uh, pick whichever one you're drawn to, or if you want to make sure you're not dodging a challenge, you can choose at random. One, the post-apocalyptic campfire story. You are recounting the events of that day, that scene, huddled round a fire with your fellow survivors of a global disaster. You can choose the exact nature of the disaster, but in this scene you are old and many of your audience may not be familiar with some of the aspects of the lifestyle, luxuries and social rules of the world that has disappeared. You may have to explain some aspects. You may get interrupted with questions. Why have you chosen to recount this moment from your life before the disaster? What does it contain that has been lost? 2. The Boaster. Rewrite the scene in the first person, but as if you were a pompous Donald Trump-esque braggart. The whole episode is now a demonstration of how brilliant, popular, in control, skillful, witty and infinitely interesting you were and are. Anyone else in the scene will be portrayed as either in awe of you or as a pathetic loser who is hopelessly outclassed by you and your excellence. You might like to imagine the whole monologue is being delivered to a group of sycophants in a bar or as part of an after-dinner speech. 3. The fairy tale. The memory becomes a fairy story, beginning once upon a time and imagining all its details as beats in a classic tale of the fantastic and miraculous. You'll probably be the protagonist. You may have to repurpose elements of the scene to serve as antagonists or as quest objects. The story may be espousing some sort of moral lesson or it may simply be an adventure where quick wit and daring win the day. Try to retain as many details from the original as you can while making it truly a fairy, fairy tale. Okay, so those are your three choices. Post-apocalyptic campfire story, a long after-dinner boast, or a fairy tale. Pick one of those three, no need to worry. You're just going to be doing your thinking on the page. You're going to have some fun. It's going to be silly. There's going to be some bits that go really badly and some bits that might surprise you. Just let yourself be mischievous. It doesn't matter and enjoy it. Right, have you picked one? If not, press pause, take a moment. But if I were you, I'd just take one at random and get cracking and start discovering. Okay, so you've got 10 minutes. Ready? Go.
And that's it. That was probably the most challenging exercise I've thrown in front of you so far. And so if you gave it a go, no matter how it actually went, well bloody done. Genuinely, that is awesome. You didn't procrastinate, you knuckled down and you had a crack. And that's 90% of the fight when it comes to writing a novel. Don't panic. Give yourself 10 minutes of focused writing and just see what comes up. Writing for 10 minutes will never take you to a worse place. At the very least, it untangles some muddled thinking so you can take stock and try a different approach another day. If you followed me this far, I just want to say thank you. All the love and fellowship and support I can muster, I'm sending you away. You're brilliant and you're crushing it. And we've only just begun. I'm not going to sing, don't worry. Make yourself a cup of tea, my friend. Have a lovely relaxing bath or shower and I will see you back here for week five.